Welcome to the Standing Up to Pots podcast, otherwise known as the Potscast. This podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering the community about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, commonly referred to as POTS. This invisible illness impacts millions and we are committed to explaining the basics, raising awareness, exploring the research, and empowering patients to not only survive, but thrive. This is the Standing Up to POTS podcast. Hello, fellow POTS patients and most appreciated people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brooke, your hyperadrenergic host, and today we have an episode of POTS Matters with Dr. Michelle Briest, who is a doctor of pharmacy and a compounding pharmacist. I will let her explain what that is in a moment. She works at Belmar Compounding Pharmacy in Colorado, which I learned of because of my work with the LDN Research Trust. They are very helpful to people looking for low-dose naltrexone. So Dr. Briest has been educating her peers about patients like us with POTS and mast cell activation syndrome who have lots of sensitivities to medications. And today she's going to share an insider's view of medications, ingredients, what we can do when we have sensitivities to medications, and how pharmacists can be important members of our health teams. Dr. Briest, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's a pleasure, Jill. Thanks for having me. So can you start by telling us about your pharmacy training and background? I graduated from North Dakota State University almost 25 years ago with my PharmD degree and have spent nearly 15 years of my career in compounding specialty. I started out in retail pharmacy, so I have a great understanding of that area of pharmacy as well, which I think helps to serve the MCAS and POTS population as well. What made you decide to become a pharmacist? Ultimately, it was helping people. I really thrive on making a difference in the daily lives of patients. I had originally had plans of becoming a nurse for that exact same reason and ultimately gravitated to pharmacy. Yeah, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but you were so helpful to me the other day when I was having a little drug reaction excipient problem, and I never realized how important a pharmacist could be on one's health team until that moment. But before we get there, what is a compounding pharmacy? So we are a pharmacy that custom makes the patient's medication specific to their needs and with their provider's prescription. So how is that different from a normal regular pharmacy? So regular pharmacies or retail pharmacies only have the ability to dispense for their patients what is commercially available from the manufacturers. And they aren't able to adjust the excipient or the filler or dose for a specific patient. We make our products directly on site in our lab. So which medications do you typically see compounded the most and for what reasons? Lodosaltrexone and bioidentical hormones are our most common compounds here at Belmar. They're compounded because they are not available commercially in the doses or formulations that we're able to provide. Okay, so it sounds like a retail pharmacy basically gets a shipment of drugs from like a pharma company, whereas you actually have people like mixing ingredients and making the actual drugs right there. Is that correct? Correct. 
We have the technicians that make the products uh, directly on site. So POTS and mast cell patients are famous for having sensitivities to all sorts of things, including medications and ingredients in medications. Do you have any insights about why some people are so much more sensitive than others when it comes to things like that? Sure. There's actually some ongoing research and studies being conducted on this. There was a, a study in Germany that suggested that 17% of the population may have the genetics to develop MCAS. And there's actually some evidence to support that that percentage could be as high as 20%. We need to remember that this is a relatively new condition that has just been recognized within the last 15 years. And the understanding of MCAS is still evolving. I also think that that's perpetuated by the fact that many patients do not have just one problem or condition. They often are dealing with and have multiple conditions. Amen. <laughs> Amen for you being aware of that. That's so helpful. What kinds of things can a compounding pharmacy or compounding pharmacist do to help patients with sensitivities or a history of bad drug reactions? We can customize medications to avoid an excipient that has been found to be problematic for the patient. So, for example, like if somebody has an issue with anything made from corn, you could make them a version that doesn't have that. Is that kind of what you're saying? Correct. Lactose is a common excipient found in commercial products that we are able to avoid. Is gluten ever put into drugs or do they pretty much stay away from that one knowing that so many people have issues? That is not something we have in our products here. I know there are some instances with some commercial products where that has the potential to be problematic. Interesting. So one compounded drug that is getting increased attention for mast cell activation syndrome and POTS is low-dose naltrexone. And I know you guys at Belmar Pharmacy do a lot of that. Can you talk about that drug? Absolutely. We do find that low-dose naltrexone can be helpful for some MCAS and POT patients. This is very much patient-specific as far as the effectiveness. However, there can be a benefit. First, we need to get the histamine release under control. Avoidance of triggers is going to be key. And then adding in LDN can help modulate the immune system to function more appropriately. So it's interesting that you mentioned those histamines because I found you while I was thinking that I was having MCAS reactions to my antihistamines because of all the normal excipients and things. And you were super helpful. But my first question is why on earth do commercial formulations of allergy medicines contain ingredients known to cause allergies? Yeah, that's a great question, Jill. Kind of a million dollar question. <laughs> Unfortunately, some of the offenders are necessary for certain of the processes of manufacturing, such as the coatings or ensuring that the powders used in the process don't take or stick together. And in instances of certain products, added preservatives. The colorings primarily used for identification purposes. 
okay, and I get it that when they're mass producing things, they need to make things cheap and easy, and they're not thinking about us few people with sensitivities. But for those of us with the sensitivities, what can your pharmacy offer instead? We can offer custom-made medications specific to a patient's needs, really whether that is the need for a medication that is not available commercially or without a problematic excipient or excipients. Some of those common examples are catodifin, low-dose naltrexone, and chromalin sodium, just to name a few. Yeah. And just in case anybody's listening and doesn't know what the word excipients means, that just means ingredients they use in a formulation for a pill or a drug, right? Correct. Or a filler, a dye, a coating. It's whatever it takes to put into that particular product to make it what it needs to be. Okay. So for example, if somebody wanted a compounded version of the allergy medicine Claritin, I think that's what I was looking for when I called you. How can they get that? Do they need a prescription? Yes, we can compound different antihistamines as long as the active ingredient powder is available. And yes, a prescription is required for all compounded products. What are the most common drug excipients that people seem to react to? In my experience, the most common problem I see is in dyes in commercial products, but there are numerous potential problems. This is something that really is very patient-specific. If a patient reacts poorly to a medication, is there any way to figure out whether the problem was like the active drug versus some inactive ingredient or excipient? There actually is. I've recommended this in a few instances that a patient's provider order just a capsule with the filler or excipient. For example, a gelatin or a cellulose capsule with only the filler, whether that's microcrystalline cellulose that we choose or rice flour, and go from there to help make a determination of what the underlying problem may be. Oh, man, that is so smart because all the time you talk to patients who give up on a drug because they had a bad experience, but it's possible that it was just that they needed the rice flour instead of the corn flour or something like that as a filler. It's similar. Or we have a product that has a dye in it and we don't know if it's the dye. We don't know if it's XYZ filler. And we kind of pull it apart because we're not going to have a dye in our product. So we're able to take that one potential problem away immediately and then really go from there. In my case, I was having a weird reaction to some of the -the over-the-counter antihistamines where they would all make me super, super hyper and unable to sleep. And so I was in this point where I had to choose between taking an antihistamine and having my reaction get better, but then the price I would pay is not sleep for a night or two. And as soon as I had you guys make me a compounded version, then that went away and it worked the way it's supposed to work, which is to stop the reaction and let me sleep. And I never knew what excipient was the problem, but I didn't care. All I knew is that when I get this cleaner version, it works. Yeah, sometimes we don't always necessarily know. 
exactly what it is, but we are able to help in so many of those cases. Yeah, that's huge. When you get a drug back working for you again, that you thought you didn't have the option to use. So does insurance typically cover compounded medications? This one depends on the patient's prescription plan. We do not have third-party contracts at Belmar Pharmacy, so this is not something I have a lot of knowledge on. We are strictly out of pocket, but patients can resubmit on their own for a possible reimbursement. I always say to check with your insurance to confirm whether or not they cover compounded medications. We found that the majority do not, so I really put that on the patient to be their advocate and find out what their plan entails. Do you think that most doctors know about compounding medications? Because I've never had a doctor mention it to me except for MCAS specialists. Like even when I was having issues with drugs, nobody ever brought it up as an option. I do think a lot of doctors know about compounding, but they don't necessarily know about everything that can be done in the compounding realm unless they're an integrative or functional medicine specialist. Okay. So I believe that you have taken a leadership role at your pharmacy to teach your colleagues about mast cell activation syndrome and people with hypersensitivities. And I'm so grateful because when I was talking to you trying to find something that would help I believe that the pharmacist I was speaking to actually brought up mast cell activation syndrome. And I was blown away. I was like, oh, you guys know about that? So my question is, how did you learn about mast cell activation syndrome? And what do your colleagues think when you teach them about it? Well, it's funny you should bring that up because it hasn't always been that way. I was actually first introduced to a mast cell activation at the American Academy of Environmental Medicine Conference here in Colorado back in 2018. We were just beginning to get more calls from patients regarding this. And I had a complete frustration that nobody knew what they were talking about. And the patients were frustrated as well that as pharmacists, we didn't know what they were talking about. So I really took it upon myself to dive in and learn more about mast cell activation and how we as a compounding pharmacy and compounding pharmacists could help these patients. My colleagues are continually amazed about the complexity, but they also now are very well equipped with the tools to help the patients as well. And we have continual training here at Belmar to keep all of our pharmacists up to date of the newest trends and conditions that are being talked about and what's going on with those. Man, well, we are so grateful as the people who are used to getting told, just deal with it. You're just anxious. You're just being hypervigilant. Just get over it. Having pharmacists who understand and believe us, is really huge. So thank you for all that you're doing. Many of us get scared to try new medications if we have had some bad experiences in the past. Do you have any advice for us? The best advice that I can give to you and to the community is really to do your own homework and be your own advocate in identifying and recognizing what may be a potential problem or trigger. For mast cell patients, it's often 
excipients and medications and not necessarily the medication itself, or there's some other trigger. So that's really the best advice I always give my patients. Yeah. And I also appreciate that you guys make it possible to start with much lower doses than normal. Like with low-dose naltrexone, I know that kind of an average is maybe around 4.5 milligrams per day. But I know a lot of mast cell patients who start at just one milligram or even half a milligram. And you guys make it possible for people to just like really just dip a toe and go very, very slow in case they're sensitive. Yes, that's absolutely the key for many patients. So do you have any other advice for patients with MCAS or sensitivities or just advice for patients in general? Being your own advocate, educating yourself, and keeping a log and journal is going to be a real big key. And I honestly find that patients are very good at keeping track of excipients, possible triggers, whatever it is that they may or may not have been exposed to or are trying to avoid. And in the medication world, there's a great resource called Daily Med. And it is a great tool that I continually recommend to patients to help on their journey so that we're able to help them identify when it comes to commercial products, what it is that they may be exposed to. So really great tool. And we'll link to that tool so that people can find it. And I think that's the tool where you can put in the drug that you're taking, the formulation, and then it has all the information about that drug. I think if you scroll to the very bottom, it gives you the list of inactive ingredients so that you can see every excipient that's in there and you can start trying to figure out what might be a problem for you or see if a drug is going to have more or less of the stuff that works for you. So that is a great tip. Dr. Brace, thank you so much for all of this great information. We are so grateful for your taking the time to share it with us today and for your ongoing work to educate your peers about patients like us. I know that you are saving us lots of heartache and time and trouble and maybe reactions with all this work you're doing. So thank you big time. No, absolutely. It's been a pleasure, Jill, and we look forward to helping the patients as we move forward. Okay, listeners, isn't it great to know that there's somebody out there who understands us? We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. We'll be back again next week. Until then, thank you for listening. Remember, you're not alone, and please join us again soon. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your healthcare team about what's right for you. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can send us feedback or make a tax-deductible donation at www.standinguptopots.org. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle Standing Up to Pots. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with your friends and family. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thepotscast.com. Thanks for listening.